Welcome to In Conversation With. Join me, Danny Jarvis, as I sit down with guest DJs, promoters, record labels, content makers, and anyone making moves on the underground house music scene. There's plenty of nostalgia, but there's also some key insights as to where the underground scene is today. So if you like what you hear, please hit the follow or subscribe button and leave us a review. Wherever you will listen to your podcasts, at the gym, in the car, or chilled at home. Relax and enjoy In Conversation With. Welcome to In Conversation With, another online one, but you're a busy man and that's what we're going to find out. So thanks for taking the time out today to have a chat. Um, we're going to do a little bit of something different this time. We're going to find out more about you from the different angle you come at for all this underground house scene. So if you'd like to introduce yourself to the listeners and give us a bit of context to your background in underground house music yeah so it, i think our our sort of story just goes back to the balcony <laughs> for them from from progress on pre the c word you know so that was uh yeah so i appreciate the invite and everything and obviously we stayed in touch ever since which has been nice um great to see your, your growth and development and um and i've done i've done something similar but just on sort of the production side so what am i i class myself as a electronic music enthusiast. I like producing music, remixing, DJing, label owner, um, four different labels I'm running now. Um, and yeah, just a massive, massive passion for the scene, you know, so that's that, that's the short version. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's, the, uh, that's the short version that's neat and tidy. But the reality of actually doing all that is is a very different situation. So I guess, you know, like you said, we we met in, in the scene on that on that day as DJs. Um, you know, we 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 got to talking afterwards. It was nice to meet you and sort of be part of that little buzz that was going on. But since then, you've been a really busy man, and like you said, we've we've kept in touch, which has afforded me the ability to sort of dip in and dip out and see your progress, look at things you're doing with the label. But I guess for people who are sat listening to this and have listened to some of the other podcasts we've done. You know, in the past, we've talked a lot about how people have got into this scene. We've talked a lot about, you know, the early days. Um, if they're a certain age like us guys, they probably were in it since the <laughs> beginning. But to take things that step further from DJing, which you have, into starting your own record label, I guess the immediate question is, you know, what inspired you to start a record label and, and what have been the biggest challenges in that beginning period? Yeah, OK, uh, well, I'll, I'll start from the from the beginning and just go from there so the, sim, similar to some of you the guests Danny um they listened to so my uh my passion for the electronic music scene was was clubbing you know late late 90s 1997 1998 um it was one it was just a friend it was just a friend of mine that turned out I wasn't in, really into electronic music I was more of a oasis and guns and roses and nirvana type of <laughs> guy when i was growing up and uh so and uh one of my one of my pals just turned around and just said that for it was for his 18th birthday but i was 17 at the time and he goes listen i've heard there's a, a really good nightclub in middlesbrough um because i'm just down the road from yourself at newcastle uh in, in county durham and uh he just said do you fancy do you fancy all going and getting a minibus and we'll take the whole tribe there and it's supposed to be a really good night and 
so we went there and um that was when jeremy healy was the resident there wow so uh, he was there week in week out and um it was danny rampling was the first time but I, I didn't know any of these the dj names or anything like that it was just and that's when house music was like was the proper house music you know it was, it was still very much underground then but you walked in and you know two and a half thousand people in there just all having a great time um and similar to what you've mentioned before and when we've had a chat before it was that in well you just everyone on the dance floor was just there to have a good time um talk the the atmosphere was buzzing you know it was it was proper old school with sweat dripping off the walls and you know um everyone go everyone yeah (laughs) exactly yeah and uh, everyone was everyone was good and i was on the i remember being on the dance floor and and um just people around you just going you're all right you're having a good time and oh the music's great isn't it and i'm just going this is great i'm used to going downtown and seeing fights left right and center and you know everything kicking off and people getting too drunk and and then coming to that sort of atmosphere i remember walking out just going wasn't everyone dead friendly in there yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a really good night that was and uh so we just said right we'll go back and um so that and that that was this that was the start of it from there as soon as as soon as you get back you get the bug and um you did i didn't realize it at the time you look around and everybody's you know intoxicated with not alcohol <laughs> so that's just, yeah uh, which yeah is very much part of it then and um and then it clicks from there but that that was it you were just you were going down week in week out and um seeing the likes of the so it was like Jeremy Healy was warming up for all of these DJs, but you're seeing Judge Jules, Pete Tong, Nick Warren, Dave Seaman, uh, all you know, all of the all of the guys from back in the day, the Sashes, the Digweeds, Sander Kleinenbergs, etc. And just it was they had, they had the uh, the DJ box was like up on because it was a converted theatre, so it was like in the sort of VIP box up at the top. So it was just like everyone. Everyone was just looking up to the DJ, if you know what I mean, like yeah. the Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> <It> was, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Healy certainly acted a bit of oh, Messiah. Oh, definitely, yeah. It was like definitely. part of his thing, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, definitely. The the um, the interesting thing about um, Middlesbrough, um, certainly in terms of like tapes that went around, was the Sugar Shack tapes. That's it, yeah. Travelled the country because... His his tapes in particular, mixing Michael Jackson in and doing all this like crazy stuff, like bits of Mama Say, Mama Sam, Mama Pussa, you know, like just yeah. ramming things in, really did ignite the passion because he was a busy DJ at the time. And, you know, it's easy to sort of throw away Jeremy Healy's contribution to, to the music because had he not been a, quite a flamboyant performer and so busy, you know, I doubt that it would have travelled the country um, in the same way. You know, there was a lot of stuff at the time where you went to nights and, and naughty promoters put his name on flyers. And because he was everywhere, there was an element of not knowing whether he was going to turn up. So there was even a buzz around going to a night and him just turning up. Oh, yeah. Which defies logic nowadays um, <laughs> in, in terms of like how things are run. So, you know, in a way, um, Gav, you were kind of at quite a pivotal point, like a few of us, to to really embrace, like you say, the changing culture, but also a kind of country getting swept up in a new style of music and a new type of night out. 
I think I think it is important to to mention that you very much found what I found, which was going and being in a room full of people that you were aware were on drugs was by no means as oppressive as being in a tough northern town full of people drinking and getting really rowdy. And you know, when you come home after a night out and all you've got is stories of people that you've been chatting, communicating with, yeah. and the music, yeah, and having a great time, it was pretty hard not to be, quote unquote, intoxicated by that scene. Oh, it was it was crazy. It was it was really, really good. It was just the atmosphere of everyone every everybody was there just to have a good time. And yeah. you had people from, you know, finance scene, you had people from the banking scene, you had people from they were yeah. just working down the steelworks down the road and and but everybody came to get it was it was it was me it was, it was quite a magical time to be perfectly honest that's what i thought very very lucky because i think that's what that's well behind us that sort of um scene and, and environment now but that that was it but as soon as it literally it was literally you were you were looking and just going i want to do i want to do that i want to be in that box and i want to go and do that um and you were going back to after parties and you were playing on some decks and stuff like that but didn't have a clue what I was doing, same as everybody else. It couldn't mix, couldn't mix two things, two, two decks, couldn't, couldn't mix two records together. And then as soon as I turned eighteen, that was it. I got myself a loan, some twelve tens, <laughs> and a vast, and a Vastec PMC seventeen A mixer, Chrome edition, nice. three, three channel thing. So and that was, um, and that was it. But it took, it, you'll, you'll know this from your uh, time, and um, sim, similar to most people, I think. Because my back, my early early background, um, I used to play the violin when I was younger. So a grade, I was grade three of the uh, the British Institute of Music, um, a violinist. So I knew about music, um, and it took. And I remember clear clear as day. I had the decks there, and I just couldn't, um, couldn't couldn't beat match two record. It just, and every time you were getting it into beat, it was all, it was all out of sync with the bars. It didn't sound right. It didn't flow like the DJs in the club. It didn't feel the same. It didn't sound the same. And I, rem- I, I remember it clear as day. I literally just went to sleep one day and I just woke up and went, it's music. It's four bars to a beat. How many how many bars are between every single break and every single record I was putting on? It was eight, 16s, 32s, eight, 16s, 32. And I was like, I've gone, it's music. It's it's like pro- proper music, and that was it. It's, it's it's weird you saying that because uh, you know I remember, uh, particularly from from my early age, I was forced to play the violin simply because <laughs> my brother had been bought it. You know, they they brought my brother this big violin, and it was like, right, you're old enough because it was ma- it was massive. I was a very small little kid. It was a massive violin, right? You're playing the violin. Sent to school like strangled this thing, came home, drove everybody wild. Um, And the point I'm getting to is that despite sort of learning or trying to learn music, I'm really not capable of playing the piano. Actually, that's not true. I can hear something and rehearse it, but I certainly can't learn music. But you're right, the simple tapping of your foot to the beats was something that made sense to me and same as you it's not it's not a skill you pick up very quickly because it is and a lot of people don't really think of it like this it is a mixture of hand and eye 
an ear coordination so it's not just like oh i can hear music therefore i'm going to mix it there is there is an element of which getting getting it to a certain thing finding out the tools how to use the gain when to bring bass in so there's so it's interesting you saying that because i i think a lot of people probably if they're more honest do have that difficulty in in the day as well it was more um it was more an analog process wasn't it making okay. records so they weren't particularly that easy to to mix they weren't always in time everything was done by ear yeah they they they, they were not designed as they are today with 32 stretches of 64 32 beats to actually get you going mm-hmm. it was like it started if you touched the plate the the melody went out <laughs> yeah it was it was a dirty business it really well, was i still remember I still remember the when you just touch on the side the side of the plate with the bubbles yeah. you know that fe- that feeling of it just going shh around your finger and yeah you can't can't get it uh, don't get me wrong cdjs and technology how it's moved on has been phenomenal but you still can't i think there's just something very very special about doing it that way um learning how to do it that way and and and, and the feel of it the feel of the vinyl so I, I held on i held on to the vinyl um way of life till about 2004 in about no in about 2003 i would say in about 2003 i started to adopt using the cdjs for certain tracks vinyl mainly because i had a good record collection and would use the cdjs for sound effects dj tools yeah little voiceovers Acapellas and yeah but i didn't i didn't really jump ship completely so when when did you jump the ship and go right the the decks are going to get put away i think it's time to embrace when the kids were born so when i I started going out and doing a lot of because back then there was quite a lot of dj competitions going on local bars student union bars and stuff like that so it seemed like around middlesbrough stockton down and there was dj competitions on every few weeks um and then when i thought i was good enough i started putting myself forward um to it and it was a guy called tom that used to own a record shop in uh stockton on tees and it was his own independent record shop and he was running one of the competitions and i remember him just coming around and going and that's when i started off doing trance doing a lot of trance and then it, it was when progressive house started coming through started coming through and i just went that's what i'm going to do I like the sound. It's a bit slower. I like the groove. Mm. It makes me. It, it gives me a better feeling. It, there was a lot more sort of melody and a lot more feeling to the progressive house music. So I went from trance literally within eighteen months, and I was progressive house. <clears throat> and doing that, and I remember him stood behind me in the DJ competition. He just went, "I, I have no idea how you produced that sound. I've just watched you, and I just don't know how you've done it." Um, and he saw I just and he just took me under his wing from there and just went right I'm doing a night here do you, do you want to play this and I'm doing a night at the Purple Onion in the basement do you want to come and do this and um, I got to know him really well so it was like the white labels I used to be able to do, do the feedback and and all that and I was I was doing quite a lot around the sort of local scene um, DJing got down to Leeds a couple of times got to Glasgow a few times um doing there and and re, re, just really really enjoying it hardly got paid you know but yeah it was just it was just going and getting in amongst it and 
I remember going down the down the local the my local town in Darlington, and there was me and literally twelve or thirteen of my mates on Tuesday night, and we knew that not nothing was on, and we used to just walk into the bar and just go, "Have you got a DJ on tonight?" And they go, "No." And I go, "There's me and twelve of my mates all here. If you put me on the decks, we'll stay in here and drink in here all night." And they used to just go, "Go on then." We're like, right, okay. And no way we went. Um, I was playing regular on a Thursday night in the town after that and yeah it was it was really really enjoyed it mate and then um when the when the young one came along um i'll go i'll go back a little bit further from there so where the production bit started from was i used to have a night um at a um a place called blackett's in darlington and it was it was like a renowned sort of house music place um and we started promoting our own night there there was me and two other lads uh, on a Thursday night um, and that was going really well and it was one of the bouncers and he turned around and just went you've got a you've got a bit of a talent for this he goes have you ever thought about producing music before and I went I have no idea how to do that and he just goes listen come with me I'm a, I'll take you down to a, a studio a proper studio I'll meet you up with a couple of these guys house music guys and just see how you get on so I said all right then so it was like literally a crate full of vinyl literally on a carry on a carry case straight onto the train straight into sheffield walked in there went up the went up these stairs and it was just like in a it was like a townhouse you run up these stairs up these stairs and then just opened up this uh opened up this door in this big studio and i mean it was like you're talking what 2002 2003 so everything was analog back then Big massive mixing desks, 64 channels, all that type of stuff. Compressors and all of the bits were all on racks, all analog gear. And I remember he had a big Renaissance painting behind the mixing desk. You know, like the Renaissance covers, like the Mary Jesus and stuff. And it was like that behind it. And I was like, oh, this is this is this is class this. I didn't know who it was at the time because he just introduced himself as Dino. So it was like, oh Dino, and this is what what do you want to do, lads? And well, this is how we'll do it. We'll sample this bit. We'll sample that bit. We'll sample a kick off this. We'll sample a hat off this one. And because we were just putting records on, we went. We'll take a bit of this and take a bit of that. Manipulate it, and then we'll start to build a build a track, however you want it to sound. I didn't know until afterwards, about two years later, it was D Ramirez. Wow! <laughs> wow! So we had, I had like three or four sessions with D Ramirez, and I didn't even know it was him. <laughs> <laughs> From the Lisa Marie experience until because very, very humble guy, you know, never, never blew his trumpet, never, um, never give it the big end. Very, very humble guy. Just went, oh, yeah, I've been up to your neck of the woods. I've DJed here and I've DJed there, but nothing. He didn't like give it the big one. But downstairs from his studio was uh, the headquarters for Choo Choo Records. Mate, this is this is this is story gold. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I love about this series that I'm trying to do is that. It's very easy to get caught up with the upper echelons of of the scene we're in. You know, it's easy to go, oh, you know, I'm going to interview big DJs. I'm going to interview the biggest. Pi-. You know, they do. They have a platform and they have a voice. But it's stories like this that I love because there's weird things happen to you at certain points in the scene. And it's interesting hearing you because when you take when you take the approach that you're going to DJ and you think you've got a talent like you said you think you've got a talent or you've got a good record collection 
I did a similar thing to you. I touted myself when I first moved to Cheltenham because I'd, dried, I, I'd moved to Cheltenham and I knew people there already. And the advantage of knowing people there already was that one of my DJ friends that I'd met at, at, at uni, he had a few things going on and I wanted my own stuff. And I did what you did. I went to a bar on a Thursday night and said, right, I know that I could get 50 people in, in this bar because we're all going to go to this club. If I get 50 people here three weeks in a row, will you think about paying me? And he went, yeah. And I did. And I knew those people were going there anyway because they yeah. were all the people that were going on to the next club that I was already DJing in. <laughs> yeah, you're already in with. Yeah. So it was a war <laughs> it was a warm-up for me in a hop. And it also gave me opportunity, like you said, to practice in an environment that wasn't as um full on as as the club. Yeah. But this uh, this idea of networking is really interesting because at the club then that I played at, the DJ that um Sorry, the guy that ran the club, that was the manager of the club, the Fez Club in Cheltenham, was a guy called Lee Dean, whose one of his best friends was Tony DeVee. Oh, right. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. The weirdest part of all of this sort of stuff that goes on is that it wasn't a year later that we then met all the Fantasia guys, because all the Fantasia guys had a unit in Cheltenham where they <laughs> produced all the CDs and all of the... <laughs> All of the house mixes, oh, my mind blown. So it, back then, it what you had to sort of take these leaps of faith, and somebody would say, "Do you want to come to such and such a meet thingy?" And like you said, they would give you a name, and you wouldn't say anything. You wouldn't, you wouldn't really question it. You just yeah. get in the car, you turn up, and they'd say, "Oh, this is such and such." Oh yeah, these are the guys that do all the Fantasia raves. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like I was, it, it was unbelievable. I, it was literally, I was upstairs, and I had that in my box. I had two three two two records in my box and then went downstairs and he just went these are the guys here and they were talking market about marketing the next release and what they were going to do where they're going to distribute it now oh you're doing you're all right and uh, i've still got the card kicking about somewhere of the, the guy yes. who was there it was, it was just un unbelievable experience we had like, had like two or three sessions doing that we got a track out the end of it it wasn't the best track in the world but it was just a club track um never released it never did anything with it and that was that was it. it was like, that sort of like got, got me the bug. And then I was trying to on an old PC. I was trying to get a you know crack version of bloody Fruity Loops or something like that version 1.1 back in the day, <laughs> like like fucking million years ago. And uh, and just try to create loops. So like um, it was just all, all you were doing was just recording. I was recording off my decks into into a CD recorder and then putting the CD into Audacity. And then taking it out of audacity and putting it in the fruity loops and yeah it was it wasn't like proper proper producing but that's that that's sort of like where where I got it from. This point in time is about what two, you said about two thousand and two and three. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So uh, my only flirtation ever with producing music um when I finished my degree I went back to Cheltenham as as an older student. And how I ended up in the northeast is because my best friend um, at the time that I'd gone to school with, he lit, he went to university in Newcastle. That's how I how I knew it. I, I either had the opportunity to go to Cheltenham, go back to university, or lose my mind with all my mate and his mates at Newcastle. I chose the sensible option and went to Cheltenham. When I came up to Newcastle and we moved into a house that wasn't like your student house, we had a little spare room, tip, typical box room. 
And we set up my computer. I had quite a powerful computer because I'd started making digital mixes using Acid Pro. And if Acid you Pro, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Acid so Pro. I would, yeah. I would get my vinyl. I would either put my vinyl on to Acid Pro, and then beat map all the tracks, get all that sort of stuff, and then I would create what is essentially a hybrid of a mix and a digital mix. So some of the yeah. records I would mix, some of them I would digitally mix. And when I moved when I moved to Newcastle. Because I was leaving Cheltenham where I had a sort of stronghold of DJing experience and I was leaving all the promoters that were doing stuff down there, there was an opportunity or, or there was either the opportunity to try and get going again in Newcastle, but the primary thing was actually trying to get a job. I'd done a film and media yeah. degree and really wanted to get into TV. We had this box room and I thought, Do you know what, I'm going to, I haven't really got the time, there's no space, the houses were tiny, I can't really set up my decks. I'm going to have a go at, at producing records so um i got reason i got cubase yeah. set them all up and would spend hours creating these acidy noises going there's two minutes for tune right next there's two minutes for tune next there's two <laughs> minutes for tune next. i ended up having like thousands of these like bits but and this is why i've asked this question if you can remember around that time, there was a terrible virus, computer virus called the blaster worm and Trojan horse. The Trojan horse, I remember that And one, it came yeah. in and it destroyed, yeah. literally Everything. destroyed my computer. And I was like, right. I oh, when, when they were dead back then, oh, they were dead. dead back then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were dead. Yeah, it was like smoke coming out, like throw, throw it on the tip. It's 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 done. <laughs> it's done. You know, you, you didn't have a fella who sort of knew what he was doing. You'd built this thing. It was quite it's like you said, it was very analog and hardwarey back then. It was like clunk clunk. Put hard yeah. drives in, get some software, cracked software. <laughs> so so I instantly gave up. I instantly went, I can't be arsed with that. And as it happens, I, I couldn't find a job. So there was about 12 of us that DJed that used to get together at our mate's house on a Friday and all have massive weekend sessions DJing. Yeah. So I got back into DJing. Now, at this point, right, you have had this really good taste from these guys. Like you said, Choo Choo Records, I had loads of their stuff. D. Ramirez's mixes were fantastic. You must have then been pretty keen to go, right, I think I can do this. So yeah. how did you then go and set up your shop? Back then, you couldn't just download software and create mute. You just couldn't. That 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 just wasn't even. I think that was like a twinkle in the Internet's eye back then. So you were going down and you were renting the studio for the day. D. Ramirez was basically the sound engineer, but you were still paying him for the day. So like a session down in the studio would cost you 200, 300 quid a day. Um, you know, for maybe a five or six hour session. So you can imagine that, 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 that that's the main difference between sort of now and now and back then. You can do it from a laptop and some software and a few synths or whatever, a few plugins. Back then, you had to go and produce a record. You maybe have to go and do five or six sessions with a proper sound engineer that would maybe cost you 1500 quid that you'd have to invest before you even had any sort of finished record or finished product um that's even before you sent the demos to the labels and and there was obviously a lot less labels back then um bedrock had just started back then and um 
but yeah, there was there was there, there wasn't very many labels back then like there is today. There's a lot lot lots of different labels today. But yeah, I started getting into it then, um, and then my young my young one was born, um, and that was it. I had to hang up the headphones. It was sort of I had a career as I'm well. Yeah, and it was just it was one or the other. You, you you couldn't go out and DJ on a Thursday or Friday night, and then go out with the lap, you know, and have a session when you were supposed to be a dad. And my career, I started getting, I started getting some advancement in my career as well. And it was just like you can be a dad or you can be a DJ, but you just definitely can't do both. Um, so that was it. I just hung up my headphones, sold my decks, sold all my records. We needed the money as well when the young one was born. So what age so, was age were you at this point? So that would have been I would have been twenty three. Yeah. So that'll have been like two thousand four, two thousand five, and that was it. Just just went. That's not for me. I, I I need to just concentrate on being a family man. You know, and putting it putting it all in there, and that was it. <laughs> so I took a took a break for a while. Daughter came along a couple of years later. Full career man, but I was still listening to Andrew the Beats podcast, and I was still listening there. Pete Tong on the radio and you were still listening to you know Creamfields when it was live and all of those type of things you know I think once it gets in you you, you just can't get it out yet um so you kept sort of kept my finger on the pulse with it with how the music was progressing because it went from house when I started trance was massive that's when it all blew up frog came after that and that was good for a bit and that was your Sasha your digweeds your warrens your Siemens uh yeah anthony papas etc global underground all of that sort of that was the back right at the back end of when it went um so thank thankfully i got out um I, I stopped doing it all just before it started getting mega commercial you martin garricks and edm and all this nonsense and i'm glad i did to be fair because the there's the there was definitely a balance even you, I mean, you'll know this, you know, you do rude sandstorms. I remember going down to Gatecrasher Summer Sound System and every DJ played the root sandstorm, uh, the, dub, the dub mix, the proper club mix. But then literally about three or four months after that, I'd heard it in the charts. It was on top of the pops. We were just going, hang on, this isn't, I was just dancing to this in a, in a, in a tent in the middle of the field with loads of different clubbers and now it's on top of the pops. What's going on here? And obviously that continued on afterwards. Um, it became very, very commercial. Money to be made. So, which um, you don't blame anyone for doing it. Um, I know there's a the, 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 there's that debate, isn't there? Sort of within the scene, is it is it commercial? Is it underground? Is it this? Is it that? But I was having to think about this. It was actually while I was uh, listening to one of your previous guests, and I was having to think about this. Um, in depth and I was just going I produce music that I think is underground that gets played in an underground club it's not a commercial club it's it, it's a proper club isn't it that's that's where my music would get played but if someone came knocking on the door and went hi Gav I think you've got something here why do, I'm going to go and invest a lot of money in the marketing I'm going to put you on the biggest stages in the world I'm going to put you in front of millions of people I'm going to get you on the radio I'm going to do that. I, I wouldn't be turning around and going, nah, it's not for me, that thanks. You want your music to be heard to as many people as you can. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's 
like I said, that I don't think there is a there's an actual debate there because I think if you actually truly ask any artist, if somebody came and knocked on your door tomorrow, would you say no? The answer to that is no. Yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right, Gav. Because if I go in the garage and DJ for an hour or two hours, I can have a great time. I can I can get high off the music myself. I can practice my mixes. I can you know, feel that feeling that you get when you're DJing and you're in flow and everything's just working. Or you can press record. And if you press record, you're then recording it because the idea is that you want somebody else to listen to it mm-hmm. or you want to listen to it back. If you're confident enough and you think you've got a skill and you are tech savvy, you'll upload it to SoundCloud or you'll upload it to somebody or you'll give it to somebody. In the old days, I had a distribution list of people I would send CDs yep. to. Like, seriously, I would send CDs to. So the reason that you want to do it is you want other people to hear it. So if you're then, by definition, if you're then making the actual tune, you want as many people to hear it as possible. And this is the crux of all of it, is that there is on one level music that can be enjoyed on a personal level, on your own, whatever it is your tastes are you know and you can be totally at one with that music there is the enjoy music with other people which involves either you know singing or dancing etc if you look at all music and and sort of take it back to maybe man's early musical um, experiences it would be either blowing through leaves in the jungle leaf blowing music it's a thing drums yeah rhythms and it is about people engaging in the expression of joy that is no longer words yeah so you 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 can't by very definition create music and and never have it heard yeah because because you know you've already heard music so you've already got things in your head you're already influenced you're already doing stuff you're aware of the fact that now we have a system where if the record's good enough and somebody says it is they offer you a record contract Mm -hmm. you know you there were forking out money to go and make records so here's the key question i think listeners would want to hear at some point you've decided gav right I'm going to make music. So what what was it you were doing? Because if you asked me what sort of a tune would I make, I would want to make something that would make people dance. They wouldn't be able to help themselves. <laughs> that yeah. is what I would want them to do. When I started, so when, the, when, when the young ones came along, hold up the headphones, da, da, da. so this sort of like brings us round full circle to to a little bit closer to 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 today um they they got older start getting into teenage years they don't want to play with dad anymore you know i can't even get on the playstation anymore with him you know what i mean it's like get off dad you you just you you shy at this game excuse my language and then and the um we don't want to play with you anymore so i was just like stuck with loads of time in my hand my career had gone really good so my work-life balance was a lot better and I was just like, I'm going to get back into my music again. 
I've got the time. I'm financially better in position than what I was 12 years ago. Um, let's go and find out. So I started reaching out to um, a few old pals that I'd still knew on Facebook and stuff like that. I'm just going, where's a good studio that I can go and hire? And can you recommend me some good sound engineers in the Northeast? And one of my pals came back to us and just went, glad you're getting back into the music. I really, uh, really hope it goes well for you. Have you got a laptop? I said, yeah, I've got a, I've got a MacBook Pro. And he goes, right, I'm going to send you a link. Download this, and this is all you're going to need and a good pair of headphones. And I went, you know, when you sort of just go, right, okay, I'll press on the link. Logic Pro, you know, Logic Pro on the Mac. Okay, a couple hundred quid. So you just go, right, a couple hundred quid. Yeah, a lot better that. Download that. And everything that my mind completely exploded. Everything that was in that studio in Sheffield, your 64-channel mixer, all your compressors, all your hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of analog gear was in front of me on a little screen on my laptop. And it sounded really good. <laughs> and I was just going, wow, this it's, is how far the technology has moved, yeah, moved it, on in 12 years. It's an interesting one, this, Gav. And this is why I, I, was, I was looking forward to talking to you about it. I... I could obviously, and I am doing by definition of these podcasts, I love talking about this music. And there's different levels at which you can talk to people about this music based on their experience and what they're doing in the scene, right? Now, for me, I think a key question that I'd like you to answer, and I definitely think listeners would, right? There's a level at which when you've been doing what you've done, going to studios, investing money, taking your time. You can't really say you're not serious about it because you've put your money where your mouth is. Now, when when you get something like this, and we talk about something like this as two DJs and people that know each other, it's far too easy to gloss over some of the things that are glaringly obvious to other people. You must have a skill of knowing what you're doing. Now, that either comes because you are an absolute crammer and you go on and you Google or like you said at the very beginning, you sort of get music. So are you and this is the question, are you a person that takes easily to learning what to do and therefore can make music or are you somebody that goes the desire to make music is so strong? I am going to learn how to do this. Yeah. B. B. Yeah. It. it, it, it. Like I say, it was mind blown. It was like a mind blown revelation part when it was all on in the box. That's what they call it. It's all produce it in the box. And I was just going, this is great. So I got a pair of headphones and I started doing it. But it was shit. (laughs) It was absolute crap. You know, don't get me wrong. I knew how to sequence some drums, hi hats, etc. Put a melody together. And it, it was. I start. I, I started putting it together, and I was going right. Okay, I think I've, I've produced a track. What do I do now? Well, back in the old days, you'd just get a videotape and you send it out to all the record labels. You can do that via email now, or you can do it via Facebook Messenger now, or whatever. You can reach out to people a lot easier uh, in today, you know, with today's technology than what you used to do when you used to write a handwritten letter to the. <laughs> <laughs> and send it off and then Carry- hopefully 
with a return address and hopefully they'll write back to you uh, but it's, it's just um so it's a lot easier a lot easier to reach out to to record label owners and stuff like that. and i just went but i was talking i was talking to a producer friend literally at the turn of the year about this and he just went what why did you even start doing this why did he even start and i just went do you know what? i haven't thought about that for a while because it's been about four years since i restarted up again so i'm probably for a while and fundamentally all i wanted to do was produce 15 tracks that i could play out in the club that was it but it, instead of it being someone else's music it'd be mine okay that would make people dance and, and what have you and i could just mix it on you know now cdjs but i could go and to take 15 of my tracks on an mp3 and go have them do an hour and a half set here and it's my music instead of being someone else's that that was the only reason i was doing it for so um i started off into you records um researched how to do like a digital record label and you had to find a distributor that would accept that would actually accept you to distribute music on their their platform yeah. get your track on beatport get your track on apple where well, you, you used to be apple what's what is apple music now but itunes and um track source and juno and the download download places so i found one i uh, found a distributor that was um set up for like new record labels coming into the scene that would that would accept it um and that was it i produced my first track my first proper track was uh, february 2019 um and that was uh, under another artist name called Sir Gawain it's just the all it is just the old name for Gavin <laughs> that's all it was but I, I started off as another name because I'm not sure this is the up to it wasn't it, I knew it wasn't up to standard but it was just to try to get into the create a track get it released get it on Beatport um, and yeah. get get it get 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 it out there um so yeah that was the first ever release was there and I, I listened back to it. it sounds all right all right it doesn't sound it's not like amazing it's not an amazing piece of work but it's a decent club track and that that's where it started off from so i released the first one um joined a lot of social media groups progressive house groups etc so when the first one was actually released and i did it myself i was putting it out to the like the facebook groups and stuff and i was just going this is my first release it's my record label can you have a listen love some feedback etc etc and um, it was really weird how it happened because that, that record label was just going to be for my tracks. So instead of me sending it out to 50 record labels and then waiting for one response, hopefully somebody would magically sign somebody with no past record, no following, no social media presence <laughs> and it'd give you a chance. I just went, no, I'll just do it myself. That, that That's fundamentally where it came from. It was supposed to be so... When I produce music, I could release it myself without any of this nonsense that goes on with acceptance and rejection and and all of the 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 positive and negative sides of of sending demos out to labels. And they put put the first one out there, and um, a guy from down in Birmingham, uh, Craig Twisty, came back to us at Inertia Sound. Literally just dropped us a quick note on Facebook and just went, "I've listened to this." uh frequency it was called frequencies so listen to this frequencies it's all right this what what's your background where where have you come from who's this into you records what's it, what's this all about 
So I just went, listen, this is just a small thing. I've only just started off. It's just for me. Da, 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 da. And we just got talking, um, built up a bit of a relationship, which was, which was nice. Talk, spoke on the phone a couple of times because he'd, he'd already released on Bolton Connection, um, Droid 9, you know, all of the labels that I was that I was buying music off, he'd released on. So I'm going, wow, this, guy, this guy's a proper producer. I'm going to just try and learn from him and, and get some advice and, and all that type of stuff because I was just starting out. And he just went, do you know what? I'll do an EP for you. Be a record label. And I just went, no, no, you don't need to, mate. I'm not ready for that. And um, it, it, I've got no following. I can't really market it. I don't really know how to do it. And he goes, don't worry about it. I'll get a couple of remixes and, and I'll I'll produce an EP for you. All packaged up, ready to go. So he produced them, got two remixes, got all the masters done for me, sent it back and just went there. There's a three track EP for you. Just go and release it on your interview records and I hope it helps. Wow. And that was it. But isn't it isn't it funny, Gav? Like there is there are no two ways about it. Even if you're super talented and you, you know, have got a gift and a skill the very essence of this industry or any any type of thing is that somebody gives you a hand up yeah. somebody out there is selfless and goes here you go here's 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 this and that for me personally that's the very spirit of what a lot of this should be like it is the same as somebody walking in a club who's gone on their own and Within 10 or 15 minutes, there's a load of nice people going, are you all right? Are you OK? How's things? Do you want I'm going to the bot? Would you like a drink? Isn't this music good? That ethos of the scene is really important. Yeah. And that's a really heartwarming story because, you know, similar to, I guess, a lot of people, when you think of a record label or when you think of all the things that you need to do now, the mind just boggles as to what actually goes on. The mind is like, God. But it's really interesting, and this is something that when I spoke to Richard Trout, I was quite kind of interested in. There's still it take it takes guts to do what you're doing, because feeling your way around in the dark is one thing, but knowing there is light behind the door somewhere is about hope and it's about having a goal. And sometimes you don't always know what your goal is, but because you're passionate, it's sort of guiding you you know the universe or whatever you want to call it and then all of a sudden like that somebody hands it hands you something that takes it forward that was great i mean he, he introduced his mastering engineer was manu riga yes oh, great tracks just go and look up if anyone hasn't heard of that guy before just go on you can have youtube beatport spotify and you listen to that guy's music it is phenomenal yeah phenomenal producer um, does all of the mastering for like the likes of Steve Yorkie and, and stuff. He, he's the mastering engineer for all of those guys. Top, top quality guy. So he's going, oh, go and speak to Manu and Manu will give you some tips. So I know, suddenly I know Manu, and you just go, wow, this guy's like, so it was just, it was phenomenal. And from there, it was just, as soon as we released that Inertia Sound EP, suddenly I'm getting demos in from all over the place people reaching out to us and just going, can you have a listen to this for your record label? And I'm going, who are you? Oh, what? You're Argentina, Germany, Brazil, India. I'm going, this is, this is absolute Sri Lanka. 
this is absolute madness. This so and it's honestly, it just, it just, it just, it went, it went from nothing to something very, very quickly. So can and I something to you? It's interesting this because I guess at, at the time I met you, this was just really kicking off, it was wasn't it? Literally, so yeah. when I approached you and said, oh, "Could could I do this for you?" I didn't. I I didn't do it in a way that was like, oh, Gav is going to get me up the ladder. I literally was probably in the same spirit going, oh, I quite fancy mixing some <laughs> of these records because they're really good. <laughs> but not really realising, you know, what you were doing behind the scenes and what your journey was. Because the music that certainly you produce, the, the label produces, which we guess we can call quite firmly sort of progressive sound, is is not a very very popular sound in the uk at this point no but it is a it is a sound that's deep in tradition of people that are quite serious about the music i don't think anybody decided to make progressive music who isn't serious about it because they could like you've just said make a banger make make this melodic techno crap that's got the same sound in every single record that you hear that is you know and, and and maybe i'm putting my neck out a bit here some of the DJs that are popular now are only playing a sound which you could have likened back to Head Candy when that was popular. Oh, yeah. But are likened back to a popular sound at a time that has its place in the sun and then fades. Whereas Progressive is just constantly under the radar the whole this, time. This'll, 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 you'll definitely know this one from, from back in the day. So I was on it. I was listening to a, yeah, Dinox. Um, sex. I I know Christian fairly well. Oh wow! <laughs> so, over the years, it's just touching base and oh yeah, I heard this track and thanks for the feedback on this one and um and anyway. So over the years, I get, got to know him a little bit better. And during COVID, I was speaking to him while he was on a beach in Brazil and he was telling us about the obviously there was no gigs and anyway. Yeah. But yeah, so that so I was he, he invited he said oh come and have a listen. Um, I'm on the live chat on youtube it, it's my set from last weekend uh, at a festival great great it was a great set i said oh yeah yeah i'll go and i'll go and have a listen to that and i'm on the chat and hi christian you know, yeah yeah okay and but there was loads of people on this chat loads of fans of, of dinox and there were it was just this uh youtube premiere with the with the with the chat on it and somebody comes across and goes what's the synth of this track and it was a it was a mashup from Andy Ling fixation back in 1998. Wow, the huge tune, huge yep. tunes record, and somebody's just done a re- reverbed version of it, and Dinox was playing it in the set, and he us. He just went, "How on earth did you even know <laughs> that was Andy Ling fixation?" Like the dun 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 dun, and I just went, "I remembered it." Yeah, I had it, and I hammered it to death. So you, like, say, just when it's in your blood, and you hear something that sticks with, it's like, how on earth did you even know that back from 1998? We're now in 2023. I had a, I had a great conversation today with a colleague at work who um, has just started listening to these podcasts and listened to a couple of mixes we'd done for the Early Doors Club, the promo mixes. And she was asking me questions about how do you how do you 
think of this music how do you decide what you're going to play and what you're going to put together and how does it work and you know it's quite a complex question in, in a way but what you've just said there is is exactly the thing that in your head you either have this or you don't you are already mixing records in your head when you hear things in a club or you hear records you're hearing other you're hearing echoes and voices of other music yeah <laughs> and I can I said to her well one of the things that's that, that, that my method is I already have an idea of a theme and a concept in my head of what I'm going to make the mix sound like so therefore when I then go and listen to records I can hear three seconds of record and go no 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 I can I can hear three seconds and go yes what's this I need to listen to more now that that will make sense to DJs it might not make sense to everyday people who need to listen to a quarter of the song to decide whether they like it. But that picking up of a synth or a beat or the roundness of the drum or the kick or where the bass starts, how the hi-hat yeah. works, the rhythm. Is it is it a samba? Is it a bossa nova? What sort of rhythm is it? These are like micro fragments that your brain hears very quickly, very, very instantly. That, that's only an experience thing that over time. That, 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 that I used to be able to do that when you used to go into the record shop back in the day. So you go into the record shop and I'd say, right, Tom, give us all the prog house releases. Give us all of the trance releases. Let's have a little rattle through them all. And you used to be able to sit there with the needle and just go bing, 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 bing. Yeah. That's for me. I love that. Ding, 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 ding. And, and they were literally like 10 second little snippets. You just skip along the record and you know and just go, yeah, I love that. And you go to another one and go, nah, that's not for me. But I think over time, um, I was speaking to someone about this as well recently, um, and they just said, how do you select? Because I get tons of promos from loads of different genres of music. Uh, well, this this was actually a question um, that I'd got for you that, that I'd thought about, um, is when when you have an overall sound let's call it an umbrella sound let's say the umbrella sound is um progressive within progressive you've either got the chunky tribally type lots of drums lots of yeah. rhythms or you've got the spacey sound droid nine has a lot of spacey sounds yeah. one of the reasons i like that record label so much one of the reasons i like your record label is you've got that spacey sound of prog that kind of sci-fi element what what are you looking for then when you're getting sent samples because the whole point is you're looking for something different right you don't yeah. go oh that sounds exactly like that so i'll sign it what are you, what are you looking <laughs> for then that you go right this is in my umbrella and it's in my category but it's different ultimate rule that this is what i've like since i've been getting back into it and then I get sent more and more promos as, as time's gone on because people want feedback and, you know, how do you rate it and will you play it, will you support it, et cetera, et cetera, which is, which is, which is great because you get to hear a massive broad spectrum of electronic dance music because I get sent house, I get sent drum and bass, I get sent breaks, I get sent trance, I get sent hard house, that's what, what, what we would class as hard house or more techno stuff now. And the ultimate rule is if it sounds good, it's good. And that's it. If it sounds good, it's good. Now, this is this is music to my ears because 
there is definitely a theme with my DJing and the types of music that I select. The very first, the very first thing. So let's take on board what we've both said, because I think we're both in agreement there that we can both have the ability to listen to literally fragments of music and go, that's good or not. Yeah. For me, the production quality has to be absolutely amazing or I'm Learned not interested. That. Learned that over the year. Yeah. Since since the time I've come back, that's that's probably one of the key that is that is probably the key element to it all because if i have a look back at my if if i could rewind the clock back four years i wouldn't have released music for three and a half years if i could have done it all over again because my the quality of where my productions were to where they are now is like chalk and cheese the the, the irony of, of the irony of that of course is not just a question about digital if i hope people listening don't don't like have a go at me for this but (laughs) there are key classic house tracks of which the production quality is so much better than other tracks yeah it isn't a question of digital versus analog i'll give you three tracks that i'm thinking about right um one is good life yeah the quality of kevin saunderson's music good life is an unbelievable track yeah. alice limerick where love lives oh, is crystal clear and gap decor is gap decor passion is absolutely solid still today so when your ear i'll throw one in for you go on garnier man with the red face Correct. I mean, just one of my all-time best club tracks. But that, that was, is about that, that is as good now. Yes, yeah. it is. So, so you're right. If you could, like you like you said, if you could do it differently, you would go in at this level. Now, there is there is also a caveat to that. When I first started buying records off Beatport, when it very first started, you could obviously choose the quality WAV or MP3. Yeah. And that was it. You you, had these, you always had the choice of WAV or MP3 and you download it at a certain bit rate. Now, obviously, within that framework, you're uploading and downloading music, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there is loss of sound. However, universally for me, after 2017, music production just went up. Yeah. Again. And we know, you and I know that is down to software. That's down to mastering things and it just knowing rather than moving hundreds of sliders. So how do you, how much time do you spend based on what we've discussed on mastering something? Well, when when I started off, that that first track that I did, that Sergio Wayne Frequencies track, I spent two months on that, producing the sound design, everything. I didn't I didn't take from somewhere else and do some. I produced that 100% from scratch. That was all my sounds from scratch all the way through. And that took me two months. I've come into 2023. And now we'll go on a bit more about the recent stuff. Something something clicked at the back end of last year, beginning of this year with my productions where I can produce a track or a remix 
and I'm done and dusted within two to three days. And I mean, just doing two and three hour sessions and I'm done. I've got a I've got a track that's coming out in June with a couple of remixes on my on my in you label. And that took me two days. And I built everything from that's totally sound design from scratch. Everything to sound design from scratch. So so here's the, here's, the workflow the you workflow. That, that's it. That's it. That's what I was going to ask you, because I'm in marketing. Right. And I produce graphics and other stuff. And there's a creative element to what I've got to do. You know, I think of the thing and I've got to put it together and, what, you know, what are the bones of it, blah, blah, blah. But the workflow, how you download it, what you're sizing it at, where you store it, where you place it, you, yep. you kind of like, it's I'm like. A snob, I'm a snob, you see, when it comes to download season, I'll only download WAV. Right. Because I'm a snob, because I'm a snob. I want to hear I want to hear it as raw as as, as, as <laughs> I want to hear it as close to how the producer would um intended it to be. Yeah, I get that. Without the because when you when you're producing the track and like you're saying um, and mastering the track, there's some there's some software there that'll go the 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 width the the forty four thousand one hundred hertz. <laughs> I'm getting really geeky here, but it's just yeah. The, you can even do it more than that. You can do it up to 128,000 to get the absolute like crisp, clear, clear class. But everything's done at about 44,100. That, that's the industry sort of standard. And then when you go down to th- um, 320, which is your MP3 sound, there's there's actually it's part of my mastering mastering chain. I can actually do that. I can actually go. That's what it sounds like as it sounds now with my mastering chain on it. And if I want it. How much do I lose of the sound when it goes into MP3? And and you actually there is actually some of the soul that gets lost when it gets compressed down to MP3. It it's you, you're talking two percent. But it's the difference between it's the difference, I guess, for people like yourself hanging your hat on this you're producing records right so i would want you to know this i would want you to to go to this level this is what for me it's all about right let's talk about a big name because it's because i think it's it's relevant lost and found guy j it's been interesting the people you've mentioned so far actually d knox and beckers Mm -hmm. i was buying their records in about 2007 their quality of their productions was sky high. Now, the reason I've mentioned Guy J is because his quality of his sound was like, yes. Now, I've talked about this, I think, on a previous podcast that I did with somebody else, that my brain understands quality of music. And it came from my dad having a really good hi-fi, having certain artists on CD on big, expensive hi-fi equipment and hearing it crystal clear. So I've always been a production nut. Now, I'm blowing me on trumpet a little bit here, but one of the comments I've always had about my mixes is that they sound unbelievable. And there's a bloody reason. Because I am mixing MP3s and sometimes WAV, but I want the listener to hear every single bit that the producer 
wanted you to hear as much as possible. Yes. And my mixing and every part of that mix and all the sounds. So that's the, that's the difference. I think when you've got the the two the two sides to the coin. So you've got the producer and the producer will produce a track that will want the listener to feel a certain way. It's very, it's very, very. Everyone's got a different perspective on when they listen to it because everyone's got different ears and different ways of listening and feeling music, etc. When I look at it from a producer, that's what I look at it to, to produce a track for a, an, an experience, or I want, I want it to sound a certain. But I want people to dance to it. It's got, to, it's got, it's got to have some sort of groove to it and some sort of dance to it. When I'm DJing. The mix is just important as the track. I'm sure you can relate to that better than better than better than most. So I do track, which will be the middle bit with the melody and the peak and the you know the the, the breakdown and the drop. And when it comes back out for me, and it'll be the same for yourself, and it'll be the same for many people listening listening to the podcast. The mix, the transition is just as important as the track because <laughs> you've got to transition through the gears and you've got to keep people in the floor and you've got to keep the the energy the the the, the dj is just just as important as the producer because the dj can and and you'll you'll know this if you wanted to if you were doing sort of a more of a warm-up set and you're getting it going you prolong the mixes out a little bit longer take the energy out of it a little bit well, if you want to start getting people going, your mixes get a little bit shorter, you come in a little bit quicker, you get the energy and the hi-hats going a lot, you bring them in a lot quicker, so it keeps the energy high. So it's just the, 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 the both sides of the coin for me, there's equal, what's the word I'm looking for? Equal weighting. Equal weighting, yeah. Between, to between both. importance, yeah. Complete vital, vital to the electronic music scene. And that we were talking about sort of genres before, and um, you probably picked up as we've been speaking a lot. I tried to I tried to categorise it as electronic music because it's such a broad. There's like a million different genres with a million different subgenres with a million different sounds, and the mil- and people releasing on this that it sounds this and it's this and it's that and it's EDM. It's it's like it's just electronic music, guys. Yeah. You know, it's, it's cl- that's what it is. It's club music music to make you dance you know i wish beat but that's the only thing i when i have a look at the, the, the likes of the beat parts and when you when you're trying to look oh he's a progressive house artist well no he's an electronic music producer he's an electronic music artist you know but and a lot of them get a, a lot of the artists that i speak to and stuff like that that they start getting put into a box and start get put into like little cubby holes oh he's a prog He's a prog house guy, that guy. He's a techno guy, that guy. He's a, this, that. He's just an electronic music artist, you know. So, so, Bella, so here's a question then, because this is something I've always thought. Who has? Where does this categorization come from? Tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know. When you are a producer and or label, and you're uploading things, presumably to Beatport, do you choose where that is categorized? Therefore, yeah. you sort of say what the genre is. Yeah. Yeah, See, yeah. This is a really interesting. This is this is a massive one. I think people are going to really tune their ear into this because 
Right. What does genre mean? I studied film studies. You have film genres. You have film noir, horror, sci-fi, uh, action, sci-fi and comedy. Sci-fi. Rom-com. Now you've got rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. And and what happens is, for me, it changes between now classifying something to market it, to be able to say to the buyer, this is what this is. We're going to make it into little chunks so that you don't have to wade through. But you're but you're right. Like bass house, melodic techno, progressive, um, tech house, deep house, organic house, house organic down tempo. House, down tempo. At the end of the day, these are categories. But you're right. Richard and I talked about this. He just calls it house music, and 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 I'm I'm with you. Whenever I label. You get asked when you do a mix and you, you're bouncing it down. It always asks you, what is it? And I what always, is the category, I, yeah. <laughs> I always like electronic because I don't want to say it's this or that. I call it electronic. So so you obviously have the option to put the genre on it because you want your buyer to be able to understand what it is a bit more easily, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of the – well, it's because I'm old school. I think the music – that I sign and the music I produce is progressive house. But when I'm when I'm, when you're speaking with some of the artists, so you producing the EP, you do the cover art. A friend of mine, Rob Wahlberg, Night Bob is his artist name. Well, he helps me out. He's our in-house mastering engineer. He does all the mastering for the label for me now, and that's just a relationship thing built over time. Uh, he just said, "Oh, can I get involved?" And um, it was like, "Yeah, what what do you want to get involved in?" And he was just going, "Well, I." I'm a photographer, I'm an I'm a mastering engineer and I'm a producer. <laughs> it's like, all right, so what do you want to what do you want to do? And he just went, I'll master all your tracks. And I went, mate, I, I haven't got a budget, I'm self-mastering them all the tracks that are coming in at them. And he went, No, no, I'll do it for free. Because I just want to be a part of it. It's like going, mm-hmm. but anyway, sorry, we digress a little bit. So when no, you were gonna say, Gav, you you, you must, in, must have the golden touch, you because everybody's just like there. Like <laughs> But, you know, that's evident to your personality, I guess, as well. Like we keep saying you can't go away from the fact that a huge part of this industry is not just talent. It is who you are, how you are with other people. If you don't burn bridges, you know, if you are willing to listen, that's a key thing to other people's opinions. You know, it's very easy as an artist or a DJ or whatever to just say, oh, no, I'm only going to play this because... That's what I think is right. You know, very definition of being a DJ is although you're using your ears and you're playing to people's ears, you're not using your eyes to what they're doing to the music to recognise this track doesn't work. This yeah. track is I'm playing this at the wrong time of night. We've all been there where you, oh, yeah. where when you're in your early days, you're learning about that energy level. But at the same time, these people reaching out and helping you is is key to building your community around you isn't it massive that, that's been a massive massive part of the label development but sorry going back to the the categorization um piece so when when you're working with some of the artists and i'll just go right i'm sending you the contract here it is and you've got to put the genre in the contract when you're sending it to the artists for them to to, to, to sign the contract before before the release 
and they send it out and they'll come back and say, I, I don't want it as progressive house. I want it melodic techno. You go on. I didn't think I didn't think that was a melodic techno track. If that's what you want to do, then that's fine because that's your brand. And if that's important to you, we'll we'll put it as down as melodic techno. You get some guys who come back and just go, I want it under organic house and down tempo. It's a, it's a, it's a program. So you just it's a, it's it's just working with the artists. I think is probably one of the most important things of, of, of running the label. It's just like, well, it's your brand as well as mine. But once you've signed that, once you've signed that contract, that is my track. I'm the label owner, and that is my news that I'm putting my name to this, and then putting it out on a platform for you. Um, but you've got to respect, you've got to respect the artists and what they want, what they want from their brand as well. Um, so it's quite a um, symbiotic relationship that you build. So over, over the years, I've been really, really lucky that I've worked with the likes of Ultraverse, that's released on Bedrock. Soundgarden, Manual Music, Noise Project. You know, we 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 released some of their early early did a remix for us early early doors. Nishan Lee, there's loads loads of others, um, loads of others that went on when we would we were um, releasing music from you in real. So to people like that. these are these artists that you're naming may not be names that the people we um, that are listening. No, I certainly do. One of the things that was interesting when you were pumping this stuff out is that I knew who these people were. I certainly know who they are now. What what happens then when you're a smaller label? Now I'm going to use I'm going to use an analogy here because I think it sort of fits. It's a bit like when I was a kid, I supported man city in the early 90s and late 80s and what all right in the end that Danny? yeah he did in the <laughs> end but <laughs> the make is they went up and down the d- divisions mm. so what what would happen is they would get a good team they'd all do really well they'd go up to what was the first division and then became the premiership those players got bought by other teams the team then wasn't strong enough and had to go back down. Now, I'm not suggesting your label's gone up and down, but this, by definition, is what happens with talent, right? Yeah. So how do you try and strategize what you're doing with your artists in terms of growing the label but not imprisoning them into something that, that stops them growing yeah. or so enables them to release elsewhere? This has definitely been like an evolution not a revolution but just a, a, a definitely an evolution over time so like i was saying back back when we we started off people would just send us demos just from out of the blue and you were just going actually it's a bloody good track that let's we'll, i'll find a couple of remixes and we'll get an ep together and we'll release an ep we'll release an ep and, and that's sort of like how it worked but you, you get it to you get it to a point um and last last year um last year was a tough year Last year was really tough. Like I was reaching out to people and artists move on. You know, so once they've released on some of the larger labels um, that are out there, they don't want to come and release on your label again. I was just a stepping stone to to where they went to. And now they're doing bigger, they're doing bigger things, which is which is fine. Um and that's 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 part of the process. So 
last year was really tough reaching out to people and trying to get people to work with us again um because they moved on the diaries were ram packed and they couldn't turn things around fast enough etc so is that that a knock-on effect to the scene being re-instigated by people playing out so therefore that they weren't at home just i'm going to make tracks 100 percent 100% 100% yeah people's people's that the, they were out that they, they were getting gigs so they're out on the road more um some of the like say some of the bigger record labels are then offering them um terms that I didn't have a budget for so I was just like I can't match that, that those terms and it's like I'm sorry but I'm so my time's going to be spent doing this because this is where I'm going to make some more money and I'm releasing on a bigger label so for my brand it's going to be better and that's a sort of a step backwards. So I just I stopped I stopped back in the last year and just went right. That's it. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to a smaller pool of artists, some artists that I want to work with, and try to go like back to the not back to the beginning, but just try to go back to those sort of those principles why I did it in the first place was to was to a release my music on my label. Um, and B, I wanted to reach out and just work with some specific artists that were of a higher caliber and quality. You mentioned the quality, um, the quality piece again. And I was going, right, I'm, these, here's a list of 25 guys that I want to work with, that I respect. I know the music is absolutely top notch. And if I've got to invest a bit in it, I'll invest, it, I'll invest a bit into it. But I want to work with these guys. So, But I, I'd, I'd spoke to them all already anyway. They knew we were, I knew they were, we'd already spoke a few times and we had a, had a decent relationship with a fair, fair few of them. And I just went, right, next year, I want to work with you. Do you want to work with me? I'll invest a little bit behind the promotion, like the promotion of the tracks. I'll, I'll spend a bit more of my own money. If you need an advance, I'll, I'll give you a bit of an advance if that helps. And we're working this year. Some of the, some of the guys that we're working with this year, mate, are just, Phenomenal guys. Camilo, Camilo San Clemente. Oh, Jelly wow. For, Jelly for Babies. Wow. Yeah. Rick Niles. Um, that's just a name. Just a few. Dowden. So, oh, um, listen. This, 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 is, this is so key to having these conversations with yourself because if, like, you, you've been quite honest here and what I liked about what you said there was you know, one of my kind of questions, one of my sort of more formal questions was was asking you where you saw yourself in the music industry, where you saw your label playing its part in the industry. And you've kind of answered it by saying a bit of a stepping stone. Yeah. Well, because we know each other um, personally, you know, we both have jobs. Right. So yeah. there, there's a level at which all people balancing family kids jobs life and this very passionate intensive scene yeah there has to be a point where you rewind and go what is my purpose now this is like a buzzword amongst self-help books positive productivity but the per but a purpose whether it's a company person whatever i've had this realization at my age we're similar ages right so you go yeah. right what am i doing yeah that's exactly what it is. of this because if it no longer quite brings you the enjoyment you want 
then you have to question why you're doing it at all. And I've had lots of sit downs with my wife where she's going, what's the matter? And I go, oh, I'm just at a block. I can't work out whether I'm at a crossroads because of technology. Do I not have enough knowledge about the technology? Um, is it that I'm 45 and my brain has just not got enough hardware drive space to take on even more stuff? Yeah, no, no space, yeah. Or is it because deep down I know that I'm not really enjoying myself and I feel committed to all these projects and people? Last year for me. I don't know how to get out of it. Last year for me was a nightmare. <clears throat> Absolute nightmare. We moved house in February. I broke my leg while I was moving house. Which was oh, just, yeah. And I just went, oh, I'm, gonna, I'll, I'm working from home. I'm, I'm going to, I invested in some more stuff in the studio, um, better monitors and some hardware synths and, and stuff like that. And um, up, upgraded all my gear. And I just went, right, I'm ready now. Let's go. And it didn't matter what I did, I could not produce a track for most of last year. And it was that we, we talk about some of the um, some of the, some of the sort of like the mental health issues and stuff like that that you get and you doubt yourself. I'm not good enough. This is shit. What am I doing it for? One, what? Why have I wasted three years of my life when I can't do this? I, 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 can I actually do this? All those questions. A producer when you and, and a lot of the a lot of producers that will li- listen, listen to this and a lot of the guys I speak to go through horrendous horrendous mental like quite uh, intense mental health pressures about all of those things because it's all about don't get me a lot a lot of the artists and you'll, you'll have come across them in, in your we've all got eagles I don't care what anyone say I, I haven't come across one yet that hasn't got it hasn't got some sort of ego you want to be accepted they want people to like what they produce. You you want to be accepted on the bigger label. You want to be accepted. You want your music to 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 for for, for more people to listen to it. And you want to grow your brand. Except I don't care who it is. I, 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 everyone's got an ego. But last year was t- that was that was very very tough. I think I was I think I was suffering from a bit of burnout because I was I was releasing and remixing a lot of tracks myself. Um, on a lot of loads of different labels, I was getting asked, "Oh, can you do this project? Can you do that project?" Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll just do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I was putting myself into more and more. And we were releasing at one point. We were releasing a track every ten days. Wow, yeah. Uh, an EP every ten days. Bang, bang, bang. During lockdown, it was like every two weeks. Bang, 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 bang. And you just came out, and I, I had the used to do the um, in your residence podcast uh, thing every week, and I, I had to do that and. I think I just completely burnt out. And last year was, I've come out the other side of it now, thank God. But honestly, mate, last year I was like, I can get a groove down, got a baseline going, I've got the drums rolling. And like nothing like, else like, was coming out. Like writer's block. Complete. Yeah, it was um, really tough. That. It's 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 interesting because on um, so many levels, like part of part of music is to um give you an emotion you can put on a piece of music that makes you feel extremely sad you can put on a piece of music that makes you extremely happy there's a reason at some point you put a sad song on do you want to cry do you want to feel a bit depressed because otherwise if your brain didn't work like that you could just put on a happy song and you'd be happy 
when you produce it and make it and listen to it and do it and involved with all these different people and it can become extremely overwhelming. I, I spoke to somebody the other week. I'm not going to name his name. He was at our gig. And he just said, I'm just, a, I'm just, I can't even listen to it. Can't even listen to music. Can't even yeah. listen to it. I've, I've, I'm at a total cross. And the first thing I said is, listen, I want you to know you're not alone. And I'm glad that you've said this to me. And he's like, oh, yeah, but you're in the middle of your own gig. And I went, no, because <laughs> if you didn't say this to me, you can understand it. And I don't say to you that this is normal. And the fact that you're questioning it is exactly the right thing to be doing. Because there are a few people that would have you believe that this is all just magic and never ending. I don't know if you saw it, but um, Sebastian Leisure, one of my absolute favourite producers, favourite producers, wrote a massive piece about where his head was at. And the problem is if people at the top don't admit this, they're not doing anything because there are more people at the bottom and in the middle than there are at the top. Oh, massive. We're going yeah, through what you've described and absolutely eating their minds. I was doing everything else. I mean, I was I was here sat in the studio where we're talking now on my, on my side. And I'm going, I've got all this gear. I've invested all this money in all this gear. I don't even know why I've done it. I don't, I don't have, I, honestly, I was like that, just going, I, I think I've had enough of this. Now, thank for, I, it, it was literally the turn of the year. And I don't, I still don't have a clue what clicked, what changed, what, but I was doing everything else. It, if, if there was something else to do, if it was watching a YouTube tutorial, or if it was just watching a YouTube video of bloody Joe Rogan or something like that, if it was anything else apart from music, I was doing, I was sat here. With all the gear around us, and I was doing everything else apart from making music. And then some, it was, I was, do, I was, I was trying to put this track together, and um, which is it, it, it's out now. It's just been released, morning, morning sax, which is my latest release. It was released last week. But that was four and a half months in the making. That thing from scratch. It started off as one thing, and then I was like, I'm not feeling it. This is shit. I don't like it. Sent it to a few mates. Said, What do you think? They're going, eh, it's all right, and it's not your best work, and I'm just going, oh, getting really frustrated with it. And then one of my uh, one of my pals, he just turned around and said, listen, you've got all the bones a bit right, but you just need work on your drums a bit more, work on the detail. It was very, very detailed feedback, very, very critical as well. It was brutal, brutal. It was hard, really, really hard. hard, hard. Was, like when you were when I was reading it back, I was going, oh my god, I've got loads of work to do with this. So I just went, you know what, I'm going to just invest my time. I'm going to drill the detail on this track. I'm really going to give it some all. And if I can have to this one, this is, I'm, I'm out. This I've had enough. And the um, I spent hours on it drilling the de- So even all the shakers, I mean, you won't be a, a normal listener won't know, won't really be able to tell the difference. But every single shaker that is on that track is at a different velocity. Every, sing, every single one is at a different velocity to keep it different. All the hats are different. All the bass lines are, uh, each section is different. So I really, really drilled the detail on it to death and then sent it to a few mates and they just went, wow, where's this come from? And I just went, oh, hang on a minute. Is this how you do it? And that was it. And it just clicked. And I went, right, there's that one done. 
and it it was more like a it, I don't I don't I don't like to say like the stars aligned because that sounds a bit fluffy, but um things happen for a reason. So I am a big believer in things do happen for a reason. And I, I wonder whether that's that was part of the journey was to get through that hard bit and then go, right, I'm gonna reach out to these guys, these specific guys that I want to work with. And I think after I produced that track, I'm now at this level. So now I'm going to go and reach out to these guys and hopefully they'll let they'll help me push myself on and I'll get to the next. I think next I think you've stumbled across something really important here. Um, and I'll be really honest with you about something. I um, have been very fortunate to obviously know quite a lot of people through DJing and doing all the stuff that I've been doing, Progressive House UK, different stuff, reaching out to people, projects, and a lot of people have put me on record distribution stuff. And and this is me. This is an this is an admission to you. You've signed me up. Oh, you can get onto my space. I find it very difficult to critique other people's work. Very difficult. If you can imagine some of the conversations we've had just on this that I'm telling you to the detail that I think about things. I just don't think I would be very helpful to somebody by giving them the critique that I want. Now, there's two things here, though. I work in a creative industry and I'm in marketing. So a lot of the way my brain works and always has worked is that I want to make something better naturally, whether that's my own skill job I work for, a person's business, how they've written something. And at the same time, if that's what I want, I have to therefore take criticism that my work could be better. Yeah. So so I find it very difficult to say to other artists, you know what, I don't like that. But I also feel, because of the way my brain is, is that I don't have enough time to sit down and do them the justice of really probably looking at it. That's what but I that, have to do with demos. Yeah, yeah now that's, that's, out. that's because I have got resident DJs sending me their mix. I've got to write and listen to their mixes and review their stuff. I've got to create the artwork. So it's a time thing. Yeah. And therefore, I've avoided very much a lot of record labels who put me on. And what do you think? I've avoided it and gone, do you know what? I'm going to find my own music mix my own stuff so that I'm not entrenching other people again. I'm not I'm not interwoven with even more people than I already am. And that is about the burnout piece. Oh, massive. Massive because, I, I think that's because I used to used to sit I used to sit here. I know we've spoke for a, a while tonight, but it's the um took up quite a bit of your time tonight. Um and but you've got to you've got to be a lot disciplined. So I, I sat down when it when it all clicked together. I sat down with a piece of paper and went, right, what do I want to achieve? What do I actually, what do I want to be as an artist now? Where do I want the label to be? Where where do I think I can, where do I think it's the maximum, maximum I can take this to? And how do I get there? I just wrote it down on a piece of paper. Like I said, just wrote it down on a piece of paper and I went, there's 25 artists that I want to work with. I know them, so I'm going to reach out to them now and go, right, do you want to work with me? I'm putting a small pool of artists together. I'll invest in you. You come and work with me, and we're we're going to build 
I want to build one of the best progressive house, prog house. You uh, said say that in brackets. Um, labels on the planet. That's what I want to go and do. What I'm going to do this year is that every single one of these releases, I'm going to do a remix on it. I am. I'm going to. I am going to be on as many of these releases this year as I can physically do, which I haven't done before. I used to just go and get an original track from an artist reach out to some artists for some remixes one or two remixes maximum put the ep together put it out do it rinse and repeat rinse and repeat and if you have a look through my back catalog there's very very there's not very many remixes that i've actually done on my own label and i'm yeah. going like well hang on what did i get in this for to start off with yeah was to get my own label to get me on so it was just so this this year is going to be this this year i think will be like i say something clicked fire got back in my belly motivation came back and the work workflow just went from producing a track that that morning sax track started off and it took me four months before i finished it and now it's just like i've got the template i feel like i'm starting to get my own sound if that makes sense yeah because um, it's, it's st- starting to craft starting to craft it and it's like right <clears> i know how to do this now and i know how to produce it to a decent level now do it bam 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 bam, bam. I, bloody hell i finished that in two days oh i'm just going to send this off just for a couple of how does this actually sound and does this sound out and the feedback coming back and just the feedback that's been coming back is just like that is phenomenal it's it's weird isn't it there's there's two sort of there's two sort of things in my mind here right one is when you're in pieces you you understand the parts that you need to build back to make yourself whole again you and i both did something at the same time me with 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 this progressive house uk podcast and you with the label and what we both did was the common mistake of you jump in and you set off yeah bang the gun's gone and i'm off and you get to a point and i always think what's the air i'm on road to nowhere, you know where, yeah. you, you, you're running and your arms are going and your legs are going and you're looking around and you're going i'm not sure if i'm in a race or <laughs> i've just gone on a long run on my own yeah. and and you know those bits and pieces that are on the floor that you build back up if you just had that advice at the beginning, which is this is the big irony with my life is that I'm in marketing. I'm supposed to make plans. Yeah. You don't do that with certain things. You just jump in. And it's it's quite heartwarming because one of the questions I'd got here was like, what's on the horizon? And, and, and I think if you were going to give somebody advice who was starting out on a record label or even starting out into any part of this scene that you and I are in. We owe it to them now on this podcast to say, sit down and write what your purpose is, what your objectives are, and what is a realistic goal that you want to achieve. Because if you don't have them, you will get to a point where you go, what in the hell am I doing this for? 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think that's probably the, the, that's some of the best advice. I, I did that at the beginning. What do I want to do? Oh, I want to create a record label to release my own music on, and then I'll build my own profile. And it just grew legs and went off in bloody all up. Don't get me wrong, enjoyed the journey. Really enjoyed working with 
all of the artists that we work with we really enjoy being part of their artist development as well it's, it's been it is very very rewarding well i wish i just stuck to my principles right at the start i wish i just went this is what i'm going to do and this one and this this year that's why that's what you you learn that with experience thing i'm yeah. brand, i was still brand new into it and similar to you to yourself danny and you just turn around and go no i want to be i want to be working with these artists i want to create one of the best prog labels that's out there the capabilities there the platforms there to go and do it and we spend a lot of time building this thing up let's go and do it so this year this year is going to be um i think it's definitely the best lineup i've ever had but we're only going to on the new label we'll only do 15 releases this year that's it i'm not going to do one every two weeks or every 10 days or every seven days i'm not going to go and blitz blitz them just go and select these artists that i want to go and work with that i respect as well quality artists bring them together under under the banner and then let's go and you know create some good music this year so that's the plan for this year I'm feeling pretty good about it, to be fair. Um, in a good, in a good spot now. Um, and let's just see how, see how this year pans out, mate. But yeah, I've got for, for some of the stuff I've got coming up. Um, I've got a remix on a Michael Air EP that's due out on the 24th. If I remember rightly. Just check my diary. Right around about the 20th, back end of this month. Um, and that's with uh, Michael Air original one called Street Noise. It's got a You in Real remix one of my own my own remix as well and that's been getting some great great support so far um um i'm doing some more collab work with andy waldman and so for some of the listeners that don't know that back in 2019 2020 i did a remix and and andy waldman was on my promo list for my label for into records and he reached out to me and he just went is this you and I went, yeah, yeah, that's 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 me. I produced that track. Uh, I produced that remix. And he went, that's really good. Do you want to do some work together? And I went, yeah, but how, how are we going to do that when you're in Mexico and I'm in the UK? <laughs> Don't worry about it. He said, I'll teach you how to export a project out of your DAW and send it to me and I'll put it in my DA and we'll just go. And it, that was a really good experience that in 2020, 20, uh, back in the 20 and 2021 and um and we released that on bonsai bonsai music amazing desire it was just we got got a singer he it it was missing it was missing something the track was missing something and he said it's missing some vocals and i just went all right okay then well who are you thinking of we can reach out to some vocalists female vocalists and stuff like that and he went and out the blue he just went oh i've heard this on spotify this lady called ellen uh, um, Ellen and I just went all right okay let's have a listen to this and I went yeah that'd be really good for the track it was just like the the voice the sound it wasn't dance music it was more um more sort of electronica type of stuff that she was doing um but it would definitely a, a, a voice would definitely fit and I went I'll go and find her and I'll go and ask her and he went how are you going to find her and I just went don't you worry I'll find her <laughs> <laughs> so it's just on social a bit of social media um what uh social engineering is what they call it don't know where you find out who the artist is and, and spoke to her and she did the vocals for it and it was released on there so, but we, we that that was another thing like last year andy was coming to me and going let's do some more 
let, let's do another call up. Let's go. And I'm like, nah, I am not feeling it at the moment. But obviously, we he he looks after the new musica label for us. Right. Um, so that's me and him jointly on that uh, on that label. Um, so he's he kept that going all last year when I was just like, I don't, I'm not bothered, I'm <laughs> not really feeling it. And then it's come into this year and he's gone right. He, he's re- he's released on Lee Burridge's All Day I Dream. It's just yeah. about it's just just about a release on the Soundgarden. And wow. um, and he was just going, do you still want to do some more collabs? And I'm going, mate, you're like you've gone well past you've gone into the well past me. And he was going, no, no, your production your production standard is actually there, Gav. Let's do some more work. So I'm right, let's do it. So we're we're doing some more of that. Um, the Camillo San Clemente uh, release that we've got coming out in April, May. Um, that's got a Kalovsky remix, and I'm doing a remix on that called Ice Castle. Um, I've got another Michael A remix coming out later on this year. Um, and I've got my own EP. Um, that's got a Rick Niles remix and a Jelly for Babies remix. Fingers crossed, and just waiting for him to fully confirm that. Um, this year, so it's been a busy start, mate. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it. You know, I I wholeheartedly believe in what you're doing. The artists that you've mentioned throughout this are artists that I've used for years, that I think are at the top of the game. Camilo, Michael A. There's, there's barely a Michael A. record that I don't have. By <laughs> him, uh, Love Sky does fantastic things. You and Real has got an amazing take on sound. And I think for a lot of people who maybe didn't know who you were at the beginning of this, will think twice about switching on to the fact that the Northeast in particular has got some really talented people. And that has a global outlook, right? Because this is the point of this music is that it may not be massive in England, but it is on the world stage. And I think people often get confused between how global this sound really is. It's it is just a shame that there aren't as many people as me and you playing it to UK audiences. You know, as a final sort of piece, as we start to wrap up this, you know, one of the things that I found very comforting to hear you talk about so openly is the challenges you've had, is the fact that you have the moments that I have where I've just got to stop doing this. Like, why am I doing it? Am I going to get to the age of 50 and be like, what have I been doing for the last 10 years? (laughs) But what I would say is that your goal of trying to enjoy who you work with, your goal of having artists that make you want to be better, the artists that you um, want to do work with because of, you know, the very ethos of producing good music is where it should be. My own journey at the moment is quite a happy one. I think I realised that throughout the lockdown, getting offers of DJing in different places, meaning to travel and do stuff, was difficult, was not something at my age that I particularly wanted to do. What was it, What was I trying to do? Am I trying to be a DJ? Am I trying to do a podcast? Like, what, what do I want? Am I, am I elevating other people? Am I, am I trying to elevate myself? But in terms of what you've said, there was a moment the other week, stood next to Richard on the decks at the Early Doors Club, with him DJing and me doing the lights, which I've never done, <laughs> doing the lights in the club, the the joy overrode everything. And I yeah. felt it in my heart. I was bouncing up and down next to him. We couldn't wait to be getting on and off the decks together, 
he's such a dream of a person to work with behind the decks was so calm he's very calm yeah looking at me and what the hell is this you're playing and i'm like is this I'm looking over his shoulder and going, what the hell is this you playing? <laughs> you know, we'd had the, a wonderful conversation about the sound design that we wanted pe- to give people because we yeah. are trying to get older clubbers out. And for me, if I can slot in an excellent progressive house record, because it's not, as I say, the only style I play, and that does it, then I am hopefully helping this scene reach people still. Because without putting that record on the club sound system and playing it on the dance floor where it's intended i can't call myself a dj if i'm not playing in front of people that and was the, um, from the from the producer side there's no nothing better than that the D- dj ruby played um one of my remixes that came out on journey deep at the beginning of the year at the uh, sky club in malta and that that's like the premium club in malta uh, and I, I know Ruby fairly well. And he supported the label like near near enough right from the start, to be fair. He's been a good supporter of the label. And he just tagged us in a post. And you're just going, What's he tagged me in this for? And I just went, Hang on. Oh, hold on a minute. Hang on. He's just played my track. And then when you see the lights going and people just going, oh, and arms in the air and just going, Yeah, when they drop and they kick back in and everyone's going, Yes. And you just went, I sat there and I just went, that, that, that's what it is. That's what it's about. Those moments, that is what, that's what I'm doing it for. That is, that is the exact, if you could put, if you could bottle it up and just go, that's what it's about for a producer, that was it. And, and the beauty of this talk, the reason for these conversations, the reason I'm so happy and thankful that you, that you chatted to me tonight is because that moment was your moment for house music. Without that particular thing happening to you as a clubber, you wouldn't be where you were today. That feeling is the feeling when the track is just about to kick in and it does. (laughs) That feeling is wonderful. Well, you can, you, I can remember going. I can remember going back and just like stuff like Sasha Expander or Sasha and Emerson Scorchio. It's just those those tracks, those moments with the right people, the right place, the right time. It's all part of the all part of the journey that's led us yeah. to where we are. Well, we're talking today, so yeah. But it's all all little pieces of the journey, mate. Which uh, listen, really Gab, as as we wrap up, I want to wish you the best of luck. Um, please, please, you know, keep in touch and update me on things. Um, I definitely will adhere to be a bit of a better friend towards listening to a a lot of the stuff that you that you send me. I think I need some <laughs> time to do that. I think, to be honest, Gav, as I'm now doing these events, and that's probably a real primary thing. I am looking for dance floor damages. Oh, which is different go. which you can appreciate is very different than when you're knocking out mixes Definitely. When, when you're knocking out mixes all the time you constantly trying to you need a lot of records you want to evolve things but when you're going to play in front of people you need the weapons you can't waste yeah you can't waste, <laughs> you can't waste a single drop <laughs> you've got exactly it. right good so stuff. yeah we'll we'll drop all the links we'll let everybody know in the post that we put on social where to find you and just a massive thanks i love 
I love your passion. I'm really pleased that you've um, you've got back in gear and you've got some really exciting things going on. So thanks again, mate. No, and make uh, sure if you listen to the podcast, make sure you press the subscribe button. Correct, Mundo. Hit it now. <laughs> Hit it now. Yeah. All right. Thanks. No, Dan. nice one. Thanks for your time, Danny. No worries.